Hello guys and girls and welcome to the podcast. Today we're going to talk about methods of training in relation to perspective upon injury risk. Although it might sound a bit complicated, it's not as you might think it is. We're going to talk about bodybuilding, powerlifting and how those two different methods of training see the risk of injury. If you have observed in the last couple of years, there is a massive difference when you think about powerlifting and when you think about bodybuilding in relations to how you're supposed to execute a specific exercise. I want to start this by telling you a story. And the story is related to how I become a personal trainer and what I was doing in the first, I think, one to two years after I got my qualification, I've been training people. Uh, and, you know, I was at the point where if my client was lifting a 5 kg plate from the ground with a curved spine, I will just try to explain to him why he's not supposed to be doing that. Because that's what I've been taught and that's what people told me, you know, you're supposed to have a neutral spine, blah, 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 blah. And basically, I was telling people all the time, no matter what they are doing, let's try to keep a neutral spine whenever you are reaching for something, whenever you try to lift uh, an object from the ground, no matter how heavy that object it is. And you might be aware of this perspective, and a lot of people for social media are shaming other people for their technique. And now thinking about this at this point in time, I'm like, what a fool I was. Because things are not are not like that. They don't work like that. We are fed with fear avoidance. We are, we are fed with um, the idea that we need to avoid specific movements in order to reduce the risk of injury. And that has been so wrong. And I will tell you, why? Yeah, so getting back to the initial topic, powerlifting and bodybuilding. We know that in commercial gyms, the gyms that 80% of the population or the people who are listening to this podcast are going to use, um, we are not going to see many people doing powerlifting. And that's purely because powerlifting is much different than what we do in a gym as a general pop um, because I'm, I'm a general pop, I consider myself a person which makes part of general population. I don't know what my one repetition max is. Uh, I could probably estimate it depending on what I do on my lifts, uh, which are never below four repetitions. And rarely four repetitions all the time, I'll probably keep my reps above six. Um, which is going to be orientated towards strength and building muscles as well. So it's not going to be that powerlifting style of training and the truth is that I never never ever created a powerlifting design type of training I would probably could manage to do one if I'll just do some research but I never I never need to because my clients are not interested in powerlifting they are not interested to see how much they can lift in one repetition and you really need to be passionate about it in order to get yourself involved into a sport because powerlifting is a sport it's like it's like going um and getting involved in a in a team sport you know you have to be there you have to be passionate about it, you have to enjoy the the game it's pretty much the same with powerlifting no one will ever 
try to get one repetition max in the gym for no reason. Although in some cases you might you might see ego cases in which people just have a big ego and they want to see how much they lift. But it doesn't have um, any cause behind that in terms of competition. The truth is that for, for us, general population, we're not going to go out in one evening and we're going to sit on a table and from nowhere someone is going to ask you, mate, tell me, one rep max deadlift, what's your PR? Tell me now. That's not going to happen. And is you know it is what it is because... On, on on this side of it, I'm not saying that is something wrong with, with doing powerlifting or is something wrong with doing what Gen Pop uh, is doing. It's just different methods for different reasons. Uh, on, a, on a different subject, the same spectrum, if you are involved into powerlifting, you're not going to see as much change in body composition. So if you have a, uh, if you're a normal person who wants to build up some muscles, um, you want to become healthier, there is no point of view in going to the gym and hitting more repetition max because if you spend 8 to 10 hours seated and you go into a gym and you hit one repetition max and one to three reps on exercises and you spend about 6 minutes resting between sets, it's not going to be productive because what you're going to do, you have one hour session and from that one hour session you're going to be working, what, 10 minutes in one hour? The rest... Uh, of the 50 minutes, well, you're going to be seated waiting for the next set. So it's not the, the wisest way of spending your time. So that's why I think is the way it's, it's happening right now in gyms is, is the best possible in terms of, you know, people which are interested in changing body composition, going towards the higher uh, side of the reps. Now, what I really wanted to discuss about these two different methods of training is the perceptions behind the type of training in the last couple of years you will see that a lot of people which are associated with building muscles with bodybuilding with fitness industry they're going to start to talk about risk of injury and there are two different perspectives when it comes to bodybuilding you know when it comes to bodybuilding technique is important and i'm I'm not talking about the injury side of it as much as I'm talking about optimizing a specific muscle in terms of activation. So if you want to work on your hamstrings and you are doing a Jefferson curl, which is um, a deadlift with curved spine, you know might be in the best position possible because you can do a hip hinge, which will reinforce the use of those hamstrings. And that's a really good and clear um, clinical reasoning behind what you are doing. So if someone tells you, you know, I'm doing uh, stiff leg deadlifts because I want to involve my hamstrings the most possible in the, the most in the best manner possible. And that's why I'm keeping my, my spine neutral. Neutral, um, we're going to talk about the word neutral later on as well. But that's why I'm trying to keep my, my spine in a straight line, hip hinging, so I'm activating as much as possible of my hamstrings and that's a clear and sound reasoning process behind um, but these people which are really popular pe people in fitness industry they it seems that for them that was was not enough uh, reasoning and they started to get involved into injury side of it and that's where you you start to see people which really know what they talk about and people which don't really know what they're talking about because 
instead of focusing on what matters in bodybuilding, manipulating movements in order to elicit a specific uh, muscle activation in terms of muscle groups, they're going to get the injury side of it in equation. And they'll be like, you know, we are doing this exercise, deadlift with neutral spine, because we want to reduce the risk of injury. And now there is a big problem here, a big, big problem. Let's go on the other side. Let's analyze the movement of a, a power lifter. Think about that one time when you saw someone lifting a heavy uh, deadlift in a gym. Because in my first times when I, I saw someone lifting a heavy deadlift in the gym, I was like, fucking hell, this guy slash girl is going to break its spine. They have their spine curved. They're lifting a massive weight from the ground. This is just going to, you know, it's going to get the person injured. And this is not true. This is not true at all. So when it comes to principles behind methods of training, we know that power lifters are just trying to lift as heavy as possible. They try to get over their capabilities and limits and to increase their one repetition max because that's that's the, the, the reason behind their training. They want to lift uh, as much as possible on all those three main lifts, which are deadlift, bench press and uh, squat. Now, how many times have you seen a powerlifter lifting a heavy object from the ground in a range of one to three repetitions and maintaining what's called a neutral spine, a spine which is, which from the outside can be seen as a, as a straight spine? That's not going to happen, you know? And how many people do you see in powerlifting getting injured? If you look at the rates, I don't have the facts in front of me is they are not going to be higher than what you see in, in any other sports. And if they're going to be higher, you know, you have to, to consider the fact that they are orientated towards lifting heavy objects, which implies heavier reward, uh, greater reward, sorry, and greater risk, which comes all the time when people try to achieve things which are worth achieving. Now, getting back to the bodybuilding side of it, and more specifically to the way PTs are teaching things in the gym, they demonize lifting things without having a what's so-called perfect positioning. And we're going to keep talking about this deadlift because it's the most obvious one. Um, and there's no point of getting too technical about talking about different lifting um movements but if you think about deadlift in pt word pt word if that's even a, a way a right way of saying it um we have the tendency to reinforce the same position which is a neutral spine which can be seen as a neutral spine you know the the facts are that even that what's so called neutral spine there is a lot of flexion happening within the lumbar spine so it doesn't mean that if from outside it seems to be a straight line it is actually a, a, the, the spine being in a straight line because you can't you can't see the skeleton you know and we don't really have uh, scans of, of people lifting but there are some studies out there which you know suggest that during what's so called neutral spine deadlifting there is still a lot of flexion going on 
at the spine level. And because I don't really think in absolute perspective on things, there is a different nuance to to this subject as well. And why I think the reinforcement of keeping your spine straight, again, what we can see from the outside, is a good thing or is a bad thing, is that we have to see in in different ways. And one of them, which is really important when it comes to injury side of it and injury prevention is the fact that consistency in terms of the way we move is important especially when you want to overload things just to give you a simple example if you've been deadlifting in a specific way for years and you manage to build up to 150 kilograms for 10 repetitions now if you if someone told you to do those 15 repetitions with the so-called neutral spine and now you you have been using the same technique for the last 10 years in the case that you will change your technique and you try to to build up on that 150 kg you add a 5 kg on the bar and then you change your technique in terms of the way you are doing that deadlift and you are just approaching um, the deadlift with a flexed, more visible flex spine than usual, which is more powerlifting type of training, you might have the surprise of, you know, increasing the chances of getting injured. But we need to understand that that's not because of the fact that, you know, your spine is flexed. It's about the fact that your body has the ability to increase its low tolerance over time and if you have been consistent with a specific movement and you build up your deadlift with that so-called neutral spine then at the point where you change your position and you try to lift even heavier your body might not have the capability of maintaining that position which has an increased load as well purely because you've been lifting a specific weight with a specific posture and then you change it but in the same time you try to overload the movement and you try to either maintain the same weight or even slightly increasing the weight and that basically results in your body not being capable of tolerate the load that you apply to it which might result sometime in pain and might result in an injury okay this is a specific example which could be transferred in quite a lot of uh, different contexts So what I'm trying to say is that when it comes to training over time, consistency is important. And here we don't talk about consistency in terms of showing up and doing the things which you're supposed to be doing, but doing them in a a similar manner. Um, Because again, consistency is important for the fact that if you want to overload the same structures, you need to be consistent with the movement. Um, If you want to not go over that point of low tolerance you want to be consistent with the way you do things and obviously that comes hand in hand with potentially injury risk side of it connected to the performance side of it the idea is that in this uh, fitness industry when it comes to injury side of it and injury prevention we created this fearful perspective on the way that people move and this has been reinforced by so many people and i've been one of the people which reinforced it through my own actions and the way I used to train clients 
Um, so if there are clients, um, previous clients, which have been with me at that point in time, and I was just talking about this, these things, and they are still listening to this podcast, obviously, we evolve and I need to, to be aware of the fact that, you know, everyone is doing mistakes. And as long as you have the opportunity to, you know, change and evolve, that's the most important element. The whole idea is that, you know, you shouldn't be afraid of doing movements in a specific way. Your body is designed to move. Your body is designed to do the things that it's capable of doing. So if you can get yourself uh, in a spine position, lifting something from the floor, you know, that that exercise, that movement has a name. And the, the name is Jefferson Curls. You know, and as long as you are building up on that exercise over time in terms of low tolerance, you use a progressive type of program, you give yourself enough enough recovery, you know, there is no point of thinking that that specific movement is going to increase the risk of injury or is going to make you be in pain because it's not going to happen. But the worst part of this is that fear avoidance that we create in terms to specific movements and we just we are just afraid to go for those movements whereas you know in clinic and what we see in a lot of, in a lot of cases what we try to do you know we try to help people to go exactly for the movements that they are afraid of and we're going to see what's their low tolerance all right if it's too painful let's find a way to regress the movement make it easier you don't really want to fully avoid a specific movement unless unless it does create further damage or it does create some some um, aggravating factors and that obviously will be dependent on the case so just to make a parallel here the only case context in which you don't want to do a specific movement is if in a specific context that specific movement causes pain and causes symptoms and that's where an assessment is important in order to put a plan together and to understand what it takes to get back to doing that specific movement with no pain so making a parallel from this perspective on to nutrition because i really think this is a really interesting one let's think about how nutrition was seen a couple of years ago and some of the people really <laughs> obviously because how it couldn't be like this some of the people really really think like that and have the same perspective uh, think about how in the past some specific food products have been demonized and they've been telling you for so long they've been telling you you need to avoid this type of products initially it started with fats and a lot of products which have been created have been created low fats because of the marketing side of it because people were believing in those things and you know as a result has been used as a marketing product you see on products low fat people will buy them more after that you you have the period of avoiding sugar okay avoid sugar sugar is uh, the first cause of you know mortality cardiovascular issues and that's been going on for a long time and some people even today they talk about how sugar could cause those things when we we don't know that it's not that simple you know it's about the the whole overall image you cannot blame um, the number one 
problem in the world for sh- on sugar is not the way it works and we know that sugar can be a tremendously helpful element when it comes to exercise performance when we talk about um, ability to, to perform repetitive tasks and then after sugar other people created keto and is not anymore about sugar only is about carbs in general which you know they produce diabetes and all those bullshits which we, we don't know that you know insulin um, spikes are not only are not the main cause of 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 are are not the cause at all actually of of obesity you know we talk about energy balance we talk about so many other elements which are important and you know correlations are not always the best option when it comes to um finding out who um has a healthy weight and who doesn't you know obviously people which are overweighted will probably tend to eat more sugar because their energy intake is bigger and all those nuances which are not observed and now we got to a point where the brighter side of of people in fitness industry have realized that it comes to seeing the whole pictures it comes to understanding each individual context um and in some of the, those cases, it might be actually the, 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 the issue might be the sugar, the same as with the movement side of it. In some cases, some people might overconsume sugar. But again, it doesn't mean that the sugar is the problem. And now, again, in terms of nutrition perspective in fitness industry, we do understand. We don't want to create um, an avoidance type of relationship with full food and, you know, People talk about having a healthy relationship with food and understanding that there are not, you know, bad and good foods. And this is great. This is really great because people now understand or they are on a stage of of understanding that it is much more than, you know, having a a meal from McDonald's. You know, that's not going to be an unhealthy just meal you need to see the whole context you need to see number of calories you need to see the nutrients within the food you need to take into account your goal you need to take into account your your current weight so despite you know all those documentaries which you know are promoting plant-based diets we know that eating meat is a right and it doesn't provoke cancer the studies out there are not you know suggestive of of any relationship between meat consumption and um, cancer and was the most important thing behind this is taking decisions having a sound clinical reasoning process and when we talk about clinical reasoning is the motive behind why you decide to take a decision so just to give you a simple example if you want to become vegan because you think that meat is bad for you well, that's not a sound clinical reasoning because there is no evidence. There are no facts behind that clinical reasoning. It's the same as saying I'm avoiding sp- spine flexion when I'm doing deadlifts because I don't want to get injured. There is no scientific evidence which shows that. Yeah, And on the other hand, if you want to become vegan because you love animals, you, know, you want to make a change in terms of how much meat is consumed you love animals you you might be even related to you know environment although that's a big debate as well regarding the impact of environmental factors when it comes to meat consumption 
you know, is 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 a nice clinical reasoning behind it. you have um, a good understanding of the facts, you know, and that's that's something which I really appreciate. But when you talk about changing your nutrition or avoiding specific food compounds purely because they are association with some specific chronic illnesses or illnesses which have not been proved by science, now there is a problem there. And just to make this uh, analogy, just get back to the movement side of it, fitness industry is much behind where it should be in relation to the way the body moves. And despite the fact that we've been developing the perspective on nutrition and creating a good relationship with food, we still are years behind creating a good relationship with our body in terms of movement because you still have um, people out there which are really popular social media and whenever they get to change to to begin to into to bring into their um, videos on their post um, injury risk they're gonna bring it straight away because they know they know it's a strong one you know people don't want to get injured who wants to be in pain who wants to be in a position of uh, weakness and vulnerability no one wants that so as soon as you bring into the equation risk injury factor people will be listening to you and you need to know that people in bodybuilding and fitness who are bringing into the equation the injury prevention perspective they have no idea what they're talking about and i'm not saying this because i have i'm just saying this because i don't have an idea about it is not something clear and you can talk with the best people in the profession out there physio sports therapist pain is a very complex subject injury prevention is a very complex subject you cannot prevent injury to an extent you can take some steps in you know following the things which have been proved by science to work one of them is getting yourself stronger one of them is having full range of movement availability at a specific joint. But how much can you prevent an unpreventable event? Because injury is, is an accident, is something which happens, which in some cases it could have been prevented, but overall is an unexpected event. So the whole idea of this is that we got confused along the way. Yeah, people started to use technical perspectives and biomechanics on movement which are definitely a big element in bodybuilding and fitness and they could make a massive difference um, in terms of you know targeting specific muscles and even in rehabilitation you want people to do a specific uh, exercise in a specific way if you want to create and provoke a specific stimulus applied to that tissue is as simple as it sounds but when you bring into equation the injury prevention side of it is is not is not a smart move just purely because fitness is fitness health and injury prevention is health and injury prevention they are something completely different and bodybuilding and fitness is about biomechanics is about the way you are doing exercises and now you have the other side of the of the spectrum people which tell you just move it doesn't matter how in gym no, it does matter how you move. It does fucking matter because you can't be doing an exercise in fucking 10 different ways. And when you look at back at your on on your uh, tracking 
it could be up or anything else you see that you increased the level of you know exertion you lifted more weights but you've been doing uh, those lifts in completely different ways because that's not that's not progressive overloading you've been overloading different tissues it's like doing a bicep curl uh, the first you know the first session you're doing biceps curl completely isolated uh, again isolated is a big word and for I will, I will leave it here for the sake of it but that's a completely different discussion maybe for a different podcast i know you keep your elbows stabilized and shoulder and you're going through 10 solid biceps curls and the next one you are just hammering it you are using hip extension hip flexion your elbows are all over the place and on the paper it looks like you increase your weights you've been progressing so that's the point where consistency can play an important role and the way we move is really important and you have to be consistent so don't confuse those elements body can move in different ways and we should never be fearful of the movements that our body is capable of, do of doing we need to encourage them now when it comes to being consistent and disciplined and seeing results that's a completely different subject you want to be consistent with movement patterns because you want to make sure that you hit and keep the variables consistent so you are not actually lying to yourself basically now you might be asking yourself so what do i take out of this like how does this help me do i now need to maybe look more into powerlifting and the way they're doing their training or do I need to keep doing what I've been doing? Should I still look at myself in the mirror and sometimes just reinforce that what's so called neutral spine? And the thing is, the truth is that you can do whatever you want. And the whole point is that you can be doing things exactly the way you, you have been doing until this point. If you do want to change something though, you have to be aware that you need to start again from square one. So... If you want to do a Jefferson curl, you can't be deadlifting. Uh, you can't do a Jefferson curl with the, with the way that you are doing a standard deadlift because that's not that's not a smart way of doing things. So changes in movement patterns will change the tissue which is overloaded. And if you want to change something or if you want to add something into your program, you need to be aware that you need to start from square, square one. Even though it might seem that the movements are pretty similar, they are not. Movements are not similar. It's just about being sensitive about what you feel in terms of movement and being aware of the fact that starting from low and building up is pretty much the best option when we talk about building up low tolerance. Now, anatomically, when we think about what's happening at the spine level, where you are compressing the spine and you are creating even more flexion than usual, you create some form of bulging at the level of the disc. So if your spine is in a flex position, the discs are going to be bulging in the anterior aspect of your spine. So just thinking about that disc, which is... Um, something which can be compressed by the forces exerted to the spine, you do, you will increase the tension on the anterior side of the discs. But again, you know, that's why th those discs are there. They are there to be, to be used. They are not there to be vulnerable and weak. 
and that comes back to the ability to increase load tolerance gradually rather than going all in. With this being said, all my respect to powerlifters out there. They just go out, they smash their sessions, they hit personal best, they lift heavy, and they don't talk about spinal flexion and how is that going to increase your risk of injury. Yeah, how many times have you seen a powerlifter talking about, you know, this is going to put endanger my life but i'm gonna keep doing it because i want to get stronger but they just want to to train heavy they understand what it takes to train heavy they understand the risk that they are exposed to and i'm not going to generalize here but thinking about that perspective upon you know fitness industry versus powerlifting i do think that we still have a lot to learn from from them when it comes to training hard uh, when it comes to understanding training and performance as a different, completely different field than when we talk with and about injury risks. At the end of the day, think about the percentages of people which powerlift and the percentages of people which are doing, you know, more muscle mass hypertrophy based in the gyms that you are. We need to understand that majority, the majority are the people which are going to be hurt more and probably this is one of the reasons why you're going to hear more often why is the right to, to lift things with the so-called neutral spine and paying attention to your technique so you're avoiding risk of injury is because majority talks um, again remember that facts don't care about majority uh, and you need to make your own decisions and whenever you are in doubt, just check it out. As I don't know, I think I heard that from why is it NHS? But it's a good one, you know. Ask someone, ask a, a professional about it. And don't ask only one, ask several. And when you see that the perspectives are different from one another, you know that you, you need to do to dig further, to do, do further research. And at the end of the day, you need to take a decision for yourself depending on what's available. Human body biomechanics are amazing, are things which I'm using all the time with my clients. I'm doing movement analysis and I'm not ashamed to do that. It's just about why are you doing it and what's the clinical reason behind. Yeah, I will never tell someone that they're going to increase the risk of injuries if they're going to lift the way they lift. But I might tell them, you know, we want to change the position because we might want to target the muscle slightly different. And that's sound for me at the moment. And Andre, who was talking about lifting with a straight neutral spine to reduce the risk of injury, is gone. And it doesn't exist anymore, which I'm happy about, because the Andre from today understands that injury is complex and it doesn't really allow you to choose one specific element and consider that that's the main reason of why something is happening. If you do have any questions, please don't hesitate to drop me a message on Instagram. You can find me at double A S physical. Um, and I'm more than happy to have a chat there and see if I can potentially help you 
with performance-based goals, with injury goals in relations to, you know, not the fact that you want to get injured, but how you could manage your symptoms, pain, and how you could potentially get back to what you were doing previously in terms of activity. I'm all up for it. Let's have a talk about it. Have a good one and see you next time.